The 2013 MLS Cup Final is set. Sporting Kansas City is hosting Real Salt Lake on December 7th. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. Traveling from coast to coast is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, man? What's going on, Garrett? Nothing much. Uh, you had a chance to check out both Eastern and Western Conference Finals. I mean, what atmosphere, what games, what matches. A great weekend for MLS soccer. Absolutely. Uh, both finals were, were lived up to their billings. Uh, Kansas City, it was freezing cold on Saturday, but you know, supporting Kansas City shook off that early goal and, and really played a great game, showing the experience that they've gained over the last few years. And then Real Salt Lake to come into Portland and, and post not, not only get a result, but to post a 1-0 victory at Cheldwen uh, really showed just the maturity that they have as a group uh, and the quality they have. And when you think about this was supposed to be a rebuilding year for them and for them to put the year together that they put together, truly outstanding. Yeah, it's quite impressive, especially the performances from both teams that are in the MLS Cup Final. Today's show is going to be a little shorter. Ivis is about to get on a flight to head back home, so if people are wondering why it's a little bit shorter, that is why. Tons to talk about, as always, on the show. Ivis, we're going to talk about sporting Kansas City. But first, the game on Sunday night. Real Salt Lake, as you said, they continued their dominance over Portland, handing them their fourth loss this season. I mean, Portland struggled to crack the Real Salt Lake defense that was organized in the back. They get the victory for you, Ivis. I mean, what stood out? What impressed you the most with Real Salt Lake's performance? Well, I just think their their defensive shape, the organization, they really did, they didn't give Portland much to work with. And to be fair, the Timbers weren't sharp either. Uh, they, they didn't play to their, their their best ability. I mean, I've seen them play much better than they did. Uh, and even the players after the match, from, from Will Johnson on down, they admitted that, that, you know, they didn't have it on the night. But you have to give credit to Real Salt Lake. I mean, they really played well. They got that goal in the first half that really kind of took the air out of the out of Jeldwen uh, once that goal went in. Uh, you know, it, it just kind of felt like it was destined to be another another result for Real Salt Lake. But Portland, you know, great year. The, 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 it's the moment, at the end of that game, the way that the, the Timbers fans reacted was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it where a team mm-hmm. gets eliminated from the playoffs and their fans react with, like, the loudest cheers of the season. And it was just acknowledging the year that they had to go from where they were last year to this year is really amazing. But uh, the story is Real Salt Lake, though. Four years after winning the, the, the final, you know, a team that we thought would win multiple championships, they finally get back, and now they have a chance to, you know, kind of put put another bookend on what's been a really impressive run of soccer for them over the last four years, playing some of the most attractive soccer in the league, mm-hmm. and now and now they're they're back in the final, and they have a chance to show that they're as good as a lot of people always thought they were. Which is crazy to think, though, that in this run they've only won one trophy. They lost earlier. This year to D.C. United in the U.S. Open Cup final at home. A chance for them to redeem themselves, win another trophy under Jason uh, Christ. The thing with Real Salt Lake looking at this game, Ivis, and you had to go back a couple of matches before, and you have to say the, the, the emergence of Chris Schuler, where in eight matches Real Salt Lake has only given up five goals. I mean, Nat Borchers was your man of the match in, in this one, but the pairing of them two, I mean, what have you seen out of them that has allowed Real Salt Lake's defense to pretty much be on lockdown over the last eight matches? Well, Shula's just an imposing figure, you know. I mean, there's a reason they were willing to trade Olave, Hamas and Olave. They felt Shuler could come in and, and he had all the qualities that you expect, that you want in a dominant center back. He has the height. He has the athleticism. He's good with his feet. You know, he just has it all. He has all the tools. I mean, the real issue with him over the last few years was injuries. And, and you know, he had some foot issues that kept him sidelined for long stretches. But, you know, he's been able to stay healthy. Uh, after some injuries this year too, but he's been able to get healthy and really come on and uh, and show why a lot of people, including myself, have, have always thought 
he had the qualities to, uh, to be a top defender in this league. In, in the rest of the night for Real Salt Lake, I mean, with their play in the back, staying organized, allowed the attack to spring forward. And I think, look, in the beginning of the year, Ivis, if someone looked at you and said, yes, Real Salt Lake in front of Javier Morales will have Robbie Finley and Devin Sandoval starting, I think you might have found one person after a few drinks who would have said that. I mean, it's amazing what Finley and Devin Sandoval have been able to do in this series. Well, I think that that's really a testament to Jason Christ and Garth Lagerwey and the job they did rebuilding that team. I mean, when you think about the three players that they got, they had to get rid of in the offseason, Hamas Olave, Will Johnson, Fabiana Spindola. I mean, Olave is a Defender of the Year candidate this year. Will Johnson's an MVP candidate. They lose those kind of players, and they're still all the way back in MLS Cup Final, and that's because of the signings that they made and the moves that they made, the pickups. I mean, they, they really ran the table. All you know, Most of their moves panned out impressively, from Devin Sandoval, a player who you know, wasn't a first-round pick. He, he wasn't really highly regarded, and he's come in and played really well. Robbie Finley, who most people had written off, comes in. He's scoring goals in big games uh, all up and down the line. Um, Nat, Nat Borchers, Nat Grabboy, really player for player up and down their roster. Uh, they, they just had like a really perfect season, and they needed to, considering mm-hmm. the players that they lost. And even Jason Christ admitted it. Jason Christ himself said that the team really exceeded his expectations. He thought they'd barely make the playoffs this year and struggle, and instead they're back in the final. And one guy you also left out, Luis Gill. I mean, we talk about his performance this year. I mean, look at how he did with the U-20s at the World Cup. I mean, Luis Gill is really becoming a very good player and a team of a lot of good players on Real Salt Lake. Uh, the problem going forward, though, for Real Salt Lake is we've seen this, the play out of Devin Sandoval, I mean, he's a rookie, but he looks far more advanced than, than I guess some people thought going into this season. With Sabo out with injury, Sandoval, Finley look great. I mean, Christ is going to have a difficult situation on his hand trying to figure out how do I get Sandoval and Finley up there but also bring Sawa back into the mix no that's a good problem to have right I mean, yeah I know multiple options my thing is this right I mean you look at Saborio during his time there he hasn't really been a clutch player he hasn't been a player who would step up and score the big goals in the big games uh, and now here you are, you look in the playoffs, he's been injured. Real Salt Lake's managed to get the results, get the goals that they've needed without him. So, I mean, if I was Jason Christ, I'd, I'd stick with, uh, you know, stick with what brought me to the final and keep the rookie in, keep Sandoval in and keep Finley in. You know, why mess with, why mess with success? Uh, even if, for me, even if Sabri is healthy, I don't think you mm-hmm. put him back in. It's crazy when you think about that, Ivis. Just crazy when you think of some of those names in, in the emergence. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Portland Timbers. Um, just, you know, real, real quickly, the, the aftermath of, of them losing this, you know, where do they go from here? What does Caleb Porter do? You know, what do they kind of need to maybe start looking forward? I mean, we can preview all the teams as the offseason goes on, but just, you know, quick take on Portland Timbers and, and the next step that they can make. Well, I mean, the first thing I'd say is there's no panic mode. I mean, they still did an amazing job to turn that team around. I mean, they were a disaster last year. One of the worst teams in the league, one of the softest teams in the league. They've turned it around now. They're one of the best teams, one of the toughest teams in the league. So there's not a lot they need to do. They need to go get a forward, and I think they're already on that. They're working on that uh, as we speak. Uh, you know, I talked to Caleb Porter today, and, uh, you know, he, he kind of already filled me in on some of the things they have going on. So the, the, the plans are in place there, uh, and this is a great starting point, Caleb Porter's first year. What he was able to do transforming that team is, I mean, it's why he's the coach of the year for me this year. So you know that their ownership will spend the money, and you know Caleb Porter has a good eye for talent. I think they will go out and fill the needs that they need to fill. And for me, if you're asking me to pick a winner next year, I'd say what, Portland Timbers, I can see them winning it all next year. Well, moving over to the Eastern Conference, Ivis, you were also at this game in freezing temperatures 
Not looking forward to the MLS Cup final being there, but it's going to be a great soccer town, sporting Kansas City. Uh, this is an interesting game, Ivis, because Oneia Boni Oscar Bonet Garcia, excuse me, scores the opening goal. And sporting Kansas City fans, you have to be thinking, oh no, here we go again. Oh no. But sporting Kansas City comes back, gets a goal from CJ Sapong, gets one more from Dom Dwyer, gets the victory, gets the host of the MLS Cup, and I mean, just what an amazing project Peter Vermees has been able to do from when he got there to where they are now. Yeah, I mean, when you mentioned that, I mean, third-minute goal, I mean, the worst possible start they could have had. And and there was that moment there where you wondered, how are they going to react? Because it's this the third year now that they're facing Houston and they're losing in Houston. But for them to respond the way they did, I mean, it just shows you the maturity that they have, the experience they have after those past defeats to just shake it off and really play some soccer. And talking to the players after the match, I mean, they all, a lot of them said the same thing, which is that if anything, the goal, that early goal woke them up and let them know, hey, all right, this is a game now we have to, we have to play. And that's what they did. They outplayed Houston. Uh, they took it to them. And, you know, Houston, to be fair, missing some key players, but supporting Kansas City, I mean, Graham Zussi gets it done every game, but Benny Fellhaber and Dom Dwyer, mm -hmm. absolutely the stars of the show that night. Oh, Benny Fellhaber for me was, he had that early turnover in the beginning of the game, and, and I know uh, Houston then countered, and you can look back, but look, that, that turnover happened with Benny Fellhaber, but when he had that ball up to Chance Myers, and like, I think it was the eighth minute, that's when I was like, man, Benny Fellhaber looks like he's having a game today, and I mean, I guess you talk about just how impressive he was in this game, especially in the second half. I mean, he's sporting Kansas City's. I think he'll be their X factor once again in the MLS Cup as he was in this game. No, you could tell early on in the match that he was on his game, that he was feeling it. He had the touch, he had the vision, and when he's on his game, Kansas City is so tough to stop because they have that two-pronged midfield attack with Zussi and Failhaber, and, and they were on their game, and Houston just couldn't deal with it. Um, so credit to them and, and Failhaber. When you look at the, the season he had, end of the year he doesn't play in three of the last four games and he's kind of wondering what is going on here what's my role I actually talked to him in Philly uh the last game of the regular season and he was pretty he was pretty upset he was pretty uh you know confused on what exactly his role was but playoffs began he got back in the lineup and he's taken full advantage of it and I think the other thing in in the match Ivis uh was the play from Sporting Kansas City in the midfield dominating Houston I mean, very difficult as you said for Houston to be without Will Bruin, Ricardo Clark, very difficult. Uh, yeah. Up top for Sporting in Kansas yeah. City, Claudio Buehler not really? in the starting 11. Duam Dyer's in there. It looks justified when he gets the goal. Kind of an interesting situation going on, but I think Peter Vermees is making the right decision going with Dom Dwyer, who's been outstanding for USL Pro this season and for Sporting yeah. Kansas City since he's come back. Well, basically, I mean, it's it's not a secret. Uh, Claudio Buehler's in the doghouse. Him and Vermees look like they've had a falling out, and he's probably going to be gone at the end of the season, so... Vermees has turned to Dom Dwyer at the end of the year, and, and, and he's taken full advantage. And you see the confidence he has, the confidence he gained from his time at Orlando City. And, and he showed it on Saturday night with that touch and that goal. I mean, he had, the poise he had on that play was outstanding. So if he can play that way in the final, I mean, you really have to like Sporting Kansas City's chances because that's the one area that they've needed. They've needed a forward they can rely on. And if he can be that guy, I mean, they're going to be tough. And I'd have to call them the favorites to win in the final. Well, and as we did with the Portland Timbers, I mean, when you look at Houston Dynamo, I mean, where do they go from here as, as, as they enter their offseason? They're an interesting team, you know, because it's not like they had a great regular season. Uh, they've had some injuries. And, and, and you look at their roster and you ask yourself, how much do they have to change? They're gonna, it, it, it doesn't look as, like a strong roster or as strong a roster as they've had in the past. Obviously, you lose Jeff Cameron to Europe. 
Uh, you've had a lot of turnover there. Uh, you know, do, what kind of changes do you need to make? And I, I don't think they'll blow up the roster, but I do think they need to make some changes. They do need to make some upgrades. The forward position is still a little inconsistent. I mean, Will Bruin, when he's on, he's good, but he he didn't have a great overall year, and I think they need to go get a forward. So, Don, you know, Dom Kinnear's got his hands full, I think, because I don't I don't see them next year being able to maintain this level um, unless they go out and, and make some serious additions. Well, the one thing that stood out to me, Ivis, during the match as I watched it was how cold it was in Kansas City. And the whole entire time I kept thinking, man, it better get 40 degrees hotter if the game is there. Man, it was freezing when I was watching. How cold was it while you were there? <laughs> it was freezing when you were watching on your couch. I was in, freezing on my couch. In Arizona? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Well, I can tell you what, I was at the stadium and it was ridiculously cold. It was the coldest game in league history and it's probably one of the coldest days I've ever felt in my life. And, and you know, thankfully we were indoors uh, for that game, um, at least I was. And uh, it, the, the weather definitely played a part in, in the game and the way the field played and, and you know, it, it didn't have an adverse out- effect, but the players felt it. I mean, it's they were struggling at times, and, and it was the, the ball was tough to play on. They watered the field before the kickoff, and, you know, they thought it would melt. They thought that it wouldn't freeze because they have under underground heating, but you could see kind of where it was freezing or where it had frozen into the grass, and that affected play a bit, but uh, it was just unbelievable how cold it was. And uh, the one consolation I think there is, is that Kansas City's weather does fluctuate. So we you can't assume it's going to be as cold in two weeks uh, for the final. It could be warmer. It could be 30 degrees warmer, and here's knocking. You know, hopefully that's the case. It, it better, man. I mean, come on. Why, why is this game not in, like, Phoenix or Miami where it's 70 and T-shirts and shorts and sandals? Ugh. They don't have teams, my man. Not <sighs> yet. Anyway. I know. I mean, I told my parents that I'm going to have to raid – my parents used to live in Philadelphia, so I'm going to have to raid their closet, and uh, I'll be wearing some awesome 80s winter clothes fashion uh, at MLS Cup, Ivis. So you're going to be in thrift thrift shop mode with, with just mismatching outfits <laughs> like Mac, Macklemore or something? Yeah, I'll be like the uh, the ultimate, the word's been banned on this show, but you you guys all know what. But speaking of, that means the <laughs> SBI party is in Kansas City, Ivis, so we now have uh, ample time to plan for this. Uh, yes, we do. And, uh, you know, I was actually the night of the game. I did check out one of the local establishments. It's, it's a, it has some potential. So uh, I'm, I'm already working on that and uh, seeing who we might partner with uh, for the party. And it's going to it's going to be Friday. And I'm sure there will be other parties. But, you know, we, we've been promising our party for so long that we're going to have it. We're going to do our own. And, uh, you know, hopefully folks uh, come out and join us. Oh, so our party is on Friday night, not Thursday night. No, yes, it will. It's it's going to be Friday night, the, the night before the game. Uh, unfortunately, this year MLS Cup's on Saturday instead of Sunday, so one less day of partying. But uh, you know, Friday night should be a fun night in Kansas City. Jeez, what's up with that MLS? Come on. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I really don't get. I, you know, it's a little. I think it's a little unfortunate, but you know, what can you do? Instead, it's the Saturday day game. So. You know what? If anything, from that standpoint, then Saturday night is is also is another party night. Yeah, that, yeah you know what? That that is true. Uh, well, I was speaking of the game, Sporting Kansas City. As you said, hosting Real Salt Lake afternoon game. Uh, when you look at this matchup, just early, early thoughts on this. I mean, we all remember the last time they played in regular season with the ninety seventh uh, minute goal for Sporting Kansas City in the victory. I mean, when you look at this match, Ivis, what are your early thoughts on it? Well, it's definitely a contrast in styles. I mean, I think it's going to be a good game. Um, you know, Real Salt Lake is a more te- little bit more technical. They like to keep the ball on the ground. 
Sporting Kansas City is more direct. You know, they like to, you know, just come at you. Uh, it's going to be a great matchup. The mid, the battle in midfield, I think, is going to be really fun to watch. When, when you think about Zussi, Failhaber, Roselle going going up against Grabovoy, Gill, and, uh, and Beckerman. I mean, I think that's really where it's going to be won or lost. Um, Kansas, for me, Kansas City's defense is the difference. I mean, I think best defense in the league. They're going to be really tough to break down. And at the end of the day, they're at home. And I think I think they, the advantage there is going to be significant. Do you have a, a favorite yet, or, or do you want some I, time to think about it? I already it? said, well, yeah, I picked Kansas City before the playoffs started, yeah. and uh, I'm going to stick with that. And, you know, nothing against Real Salt Lake. They could absolutely win it, and they showed a lot. They showed a lot against L.A. They showed a lot against Portland. So they, abs- they absolutely have a chance to win. But for me, I think the defense that Sporting Kansas City can play and the the in, the, in, the quality play of Failhaber and Dwyer lately just rounds them out in a way that they look like a really complete team heading into this final. Well, you know, because I have to go, always go against you, I, I guess I'll go with Real Salt Lake. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Okay, you needed you need, you needed that to to go 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 with Arsa. That's okay. No, well, I I, I can't agree with you, Ivis. We can never agree on anything on this show. So I mean, it's you know one or the other. I'm, I'm stuck. We, we know where your bread is buttered, man. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, even though the MLS Cup is the dominating news headline, there is some other Major League Soccer news. Eddie Johnson is on the trade block. Ivis, what's up with this? Well, it's it's been out there for a little while now, but from what I'm hearing, it's gathering some steam. As Seattle, the Seattle Sounders are going to trade Eddie Johnson. They've put him on the block. The sweepstakes have begun. Uh, more than a half dozen teams have been contacted. Uh, as far as I know, nothing has been done yet. Uh, I just wrote a, I just finished a story for for Goal.com on the subject. You can read it on uh, on Tuesday. Just breaking down some of the candidates, some of the teams that could be in play for him and. At the end of the day, he is no longer. He will. He's played his last game in Seattle, and uh, I don't think anyone's too surprised by that. But it's you know wherever he goes, that trade is going to be one is going to be arguably the biggest move of the offseason because I think it's going to take quite a bit to get to get your hands on Eddie Johnson. Uh, when he goes, does he become a DP in the process? Well, yeah, that's. I mean, that's pretty much what's going to have to happen. Um, you know, negotiation wise, I mean, I think he's played himself into that. Uh, and Seattle obviously can't, you know, they can't sign him as one. They already signed Alonzo along with Dempsey and with Femi Martins. They have their three. Uh, they have some serious salary cap issues, even with trading Eddie Johnson. So that's why it's so important for Seattle to get a good package in a trade, whether it's, you know, getting some allocation money, getting a high draft pick. It's going to take a, a pretty significant package to get Eddie Johnson. Uh, another big player in the league, David Ferreira, is out at FC Dallas. Ivis, what's the situation down there? Well, I, you know, I reported that a few weeks ago that, uh, you know, he, he would not be re-signed. And I don't think it's too much of a shock for anyone, especially in Dallas, who, who watched the end of the year. He really was a shell of his former self. And the way the year ended with him kind of having a fight on the field with a teammate, that didn't look good. Yeah. So, you know, his time's his time's up. You know, he, he was obviously on a high salary. And I think FC Dallas is uh, look, looking to rebuild. I think they're a team that's really going to shake up their roster. Obviously, they're going to have a new coach, which they haven't hired yet. But uh, that that situation is going to bear watching because that's a team that you know they got some nice pieces there. They're, you know, with with the right offseason moves, they they could be back into the playoff picture. But uh, it's really it's overhaul time down in Frisco. All right, man. Well, that wraps up the uh, shortest SBI show we've ever had. Uh, it's pretty short, but I can yeah. tell you, folks, we have we have fallen behind on our projected run of episodes. We're, we're going to have to do. We're gonna, we're almost going to do a show a day to get to 100 for uh, Friday the 6th. 
but uh, I think we can do it. We'll, we'll, we can knock out some, you know, 30-minute episodes and, and cover, you know, MLS Cup and everything else that's going on. Three, four, I'm trying to think. That's like five or six more shows we got to bang out. That's fine by me. I mean, that just means I'm getting overtime, so that's that's fine. <laughs> we'll, I think we'll manage. I think I think we'll find some stuff. And to overtime, talk about. overtime, you know, is for me, Ive, it's more, more, more Cosmopolitan's at MLS Cup. <laughs> so that's what you're drinking. That's yes, what I'm drinking nowadays. Yeah, no, apple, apple, apple teenies. Yeah, with the extra apple. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, man. Well, uh, you need to catch your flight, so you have a safe flight home. Thanks, man. And uh, Ivis and I, like you said, he will. He, I, Ivis and I will be back later this week. As always, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for the reviews on iTunes. This is the SBI Show.